Warning, the following podcast contains mature content. Listener discretion is advised. I sleep pretty good at night, says Casey Anthony, dubbed the world's worst mother due to her erratic and questionable behavior following the disappearance and death of her two-year-old daughter, Kaylee. Kaylee Anthony's murder case shook the nation and sparked the first major media frenzy of murder in the social media age. Casey was called a partier, a wild girl, a neglectful mother, a pathological liar, Accusations were made that she killed her own daughter just so she could go out with her friends. Are these accusations true? Is Casey Anthony a cold-blooded killer or a grief-stricken mother? Find out in the Jury Room Special two-part series of the Casey Anthony case. Make sure you go subscribe, follow, leave a review anywhere you can. And as always, stay safe and thanks for listening. I'm okay with myself. I sleep pretty good at night. All right. Well, that is going to be the trailer for the Casey Anthony series that we are starting next week. I just want to welcome everybody to the jury room aftermath. This week's episode is going to be on the Marilyn Monroe conspiracy theory case that we just visited last weekend. But I'm very excited because I have a special guest with me today. It's been a long time in the making. We've talked about it hundreds of times, but now it's finally here. Please welcome the host of Crime of Your Life, Mr. Jacob Randall. Thank you, my friend. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> Jacob, it's, uh, it's a pleasure. I'm glad you're here. Why don't you introduce yourself and a little bit about your show and where they can find you at? Yeah, my uh, yeah, my show is called Crime of Your Life, and I've been doing it uh, less than a year. And you can find me streaming everywhere. It's basically a show about obscure and mainly unsolved criminal cases. And I really, I've, I'm really drawn to mysteries and also kind of looking at the true crime uh, true crime genre itself. So. That's what I try to do with the show and uh, yeah, available wherever you get your podcasts. You know, the common thing that you say. <laughs> <laughs> like subscribe, review, all of the above. Right. And find me on Twitter too. I love to, I love to get out there and talk to people. So uh, yeah. I personally listen to your show and I'm a huge fan of the content that you put out. So I, I appreciate your show and the mysteries that you bring forth to the true crime, the to the crew, true crime genre. Damn, damn, I struggled right there. <clears throat> I appreciate what you bring to the crew, true crime genre. God damn, it's a tongue twister. Okay. True, I know. Crime genre. I know. It's I'm trying to say the the second word first. Anyways, okay. Jacob, I appreciate what you bring to the true crime genre and your show has definitely is one of my favorites and I can't thank you enough for coming on today. 
Well, thank you so much. I'm so glad that we finally got to do this and get together because like you said, we've been talking about it for so long and the Marilyn Monroe mystery, uh, I'm, I'm grateful that you brought me on just because I, I'm not obviously, I hate even saying it, but obviously I'm not an expert on really anything <laughs> um, at all, but I, I've always been interested in this and we'll see if I can transmit or translate what I'm really trying to say. So let's see, <laughs> let's see how it goes. <laughs> Obviously, without saying neither one of us are experts in, in this, in this theory, right. But it's one of those things that has been mysterious for decades, you know, that people have not been able to solve. Exactly. And there are so many theories, which I, I really feel is intentional, but I, you know, I don't want to get, I don't want to jump ahead of myself. But yeah, it's one of those things that continues to linger in the minds of the public. And I think personally, there are things happening now that are relevant to, to that time. Uh, but we can, we can get into it. Um, I really liked your episode on it, by the way. I listened to it once and then I listened to it again last night just to kind of get myself back to where, where we were. And um, yeah, I'm ready to go. Well, first and foremost, what has Marilyn Monroe meant to you over the years? Has she been a significant icon in your life, or is it one of those things that she really has kind of come into your life as you've developed into the true crime genre? Well, she's definitely just always been there uh, in the vicinity of my life. I've never been a fan of Marilyn Monroe myself. I, I'm not, you know, I, I don't dislike anything about her or anything I know about her. But I've never really watched a lot of her movies. Um, I've seen a little bit uh, through the years, but my mom really has always loved Marilyn Monroe. And uh, so she's always been sort of known around the house. My mom has pictures and and uh, I think she has like a, you know, a Barbie doll of Marilyn Monroe. So I've always sort of known she was out there and that she was important, but kind of like Elvis Presley or something. I, I didn't always, you know, I'm not really a fan of Elvis's music or anything, but I've always been aware of uh, the fact that he and Marilyn Monroe are central figures. Um, so yeah, it's, it's sort of like, I've also known about her in terms of crime and people's interest in her and, and her death, but I've never really approached it. I've always sort of stayed away from it. Uh, but only in the last couple of years, things have been happening in the world that have gotten me a little bit interested in the mystery behind her death. And of course, when we talk about her death, we have to also talk about suicide. So you know, trigger warning to anybody who is listening. But at the same time, if you're listening to something about Marilyn Monroe, I think you inherently already know that there's going to be some talk about that. But again, trigger warning for anything I say, so... Right. And, and I'm glad you brought that up because there's always help available. There's the national suicide prevention line. You can call them 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. They have many different languages that way. If you need an interpreter, uh, that phone number is 1-800-273-8255. And again, that number is 1-800-273-8255. 8255. And you alluded to it when you first started speaking about how the prevalence between 
Marilyn Monroe, you know, back in the day and today, you know, and the one thing that, in my opinion, that comes to mind is Britney Spears. It's kind of one of those things that, right. you know, the media <clears throat> definitely made her, you know, what she is, um, you know, and I feel like they had, you know, a big part in either her death or her suicide. I mean, Marilyn, she, she was messing with a lot of the wrong people too. Um, but that starlet, you know, that party girl, you know, persona that she had that the media just ate up and wanted everything to be about her. Yeah. And it's interesting because there's, there's really that dueling, uh, way that the person is received Britney Spears or Marilyn Monroe, because you're right about the media and how they portray women, especially, uh, young women who ascend to those heights of fame. There, there's a definite way that they portray them and kind of what that does to the minds of the public and how they think about people. But at the same time, Marilyn Monroe was beloved, even at the time. So, and Britney Spears was beloved, even through these times, having hit records, Marilyn Monroe having movies that were so successful. She, Marilyn Monroe was getting, I think, a thousand letters a day in fan mail, right up until her demise, I believe. So I think that the way that the media portrays or portrayed her at the time and maybe even throughout time kind of distorts the reality uh, on how she was perceived by regular people. Um, I, still people love her. So those things still exist. The dueling, you know, the people that really just love her and still look at her as this great thing. And then the other people that rec that sort of look at her through the lens of what the media has portrayed her as. There are people I think that love Marilyn Monroe, but don't necessarily know any of the things that you talked about in your episode about her, her traumatic life, uh, her, her adult life and her relation, her relationships and, her failures, her struggles, uh, and even the details of, of her success. It, she's so part of Americana and I don't know if that's the right word, but she's so part of just the American image and, and, and what we think of as something, you know, it's like apple pie. She's right. It's that blonde bombshell. That, right. That a lot of people don't even, they just see the wall of that. They don't even see anything further. They just see the, the woman who said, who sang happy birthday. Right. That and the, uh, what's that, that icon iconic photo where she's, you know, pushing her white dress down as it's right. blowing up in the air, you know, with the, the blonde hair and the red lips, you know, and that's the, you said it right. It's the Americana. It's, it, it's like cherry pie. It's Elvis Presley, James Dean, you know, it's those icons of, of, of a lifetime, you know, that people, people look up to, you know, and, and I feel like, <clears throat> you know, especially hard for her back in the day that, cause there was definitely a different perception across the globe of what women should be or what they would be, you know, and definitely looked down upon if they were anything other than that, you know, which was that American housewife you know, you stayed home, you cooked, you cleaned, you took care of the kids and, and that was it. That was your job. There was not, there was nothing else for women, you know? Now 
I don't agree with that. And I'm not saying it's right or wrong. We're not here to debate that, but you know, there was that conservative view of her back in the day that, you know, people hated her for that, you know, that, Oh, you're going to go out and, you know, sleep around and, and do this or that. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with, right. you know, a single woman or man for that matter to sleep with whoever they want. They're single. They're, they're out, they're having fun. She's rich. She's famous. She's beautiful. Of course she's sleeping around and there's nothing wrong with that. And, and you mentioned something that kind of plays into my thoughts on her death, which is that the conservative view uh, from that exists now, of course, but that, that surely was there at the time of, of her behavior and how she lived her life. And just thinking about that on the level of regular people and how they think about her, uh, but also how did people in power think about her and people who were conservative and in power, how did they think about her? How did they think about her and her relationship with the most powerful man in the world? Right. And so, so I think that's important to keep in mind is, is the view of her behavior as well as the behavior of JFK and people that she associated with uh, from a conservative viewpoint. Uh, I think a lot of it was looked at as immoral. And I think that's very much key to her death, in my opinion, because my views on her death, as we, as we talk, we'll get further and further into, um, I think are different than what a lot of people think. So... I, but I'm very interested to hear what you think. <laughs> right. Well, you know, and that's, you know, something else as you go through the episode, you re- you start to really realize that she had, you know, in my opinion, she was probably had some sort of mental disorder and it went probably undiagnosed and untreated. And she tried to self-medicate and, and, you know, tried to, push it down, you know, because that's what you did at those times. It was one of those things that you did not talk about those things, talking about being depressed or feeling anxious or being sad or just having a bad day. It just wasn't talked about then. Yeah. The the perception of, of all of that was very different. And certainly the way that people interacted with, with, with that whole idea of mental mental illness it was just very very different do you so listening to your episode i I guess to begin it's it's for me it's the idea of did she kill herself or was she murdered and what do you really think about that i'm so on the fence with it man to be honest if i like any true crime case that's unsolved, like any mystery, you can make an argument for either side, right? So my thoughts is I personally am going to go the crazy route, and I think that she was killed. And I think she was killed by either the mafia or the U.S. government. That's what is my opinion. Uh, she knew too much. Uh, she was sleeping with both JFK and his brother at the same time. And, uh, you know, when you're, when you've got a, a powerful man like that in such a vulnerable state, you know, they're apt to share a lot of information. And I think she knew too much and she was very unpredictable. She wasn't controllable. Uh, 
you know, she was sending, you know, threats to the FBI and the CIA and, and these very powerful people stating, you know, that she's gonna, you know, release a bunch of information because, you know, they hurt her, you know, they hurt her, you know, she, she fell in love with JFK and that didn't work. And, you know, he's not going, he's not going to leave his wife as many women as he slept with over the years. He's not leaving his wife and his wife knows that he's doing this. He's not going anywhere, you know? And then same thing with Bobby Kennedy is she wasn't that conservative housewife image, you know? And so I think with her knowing what she knew and being unpredictable, I think it caused, you know, somebody somewhere to, you know, in a quote unquote kind of way, you know, pull the trigger and, and make it look like, you know, she potentially killed herself. Right. And for me, the big question is what would she have told the public that warranted her being killed by the government? What is it exactly? What, what's really, what are the secrets that she really wanted to reveal? And if, for me, I also believe that she was killed by the government. I don't believe that she took her own life. I think that, uh, the toxicology report. I've read a book or two about this um, and I've looked a, a little bit further into this, but from what I have read about the toxicology report is that it doesn't make sense with uh, the amount of residue from the drugs that she allegedly killed herself with. It doesn't, there's not enough of that residue in her body to according to what I've read to really say that she, she actually killed herself. And, and I don't want to get way into the weeds with all of that. And, and like, did she or didn't she? I just wanted to know what you thought, because I also agree with you, but there's a, a few other things, uh, you know, the people around her think about it for me. When, when someone dies, let's say you're at a party or you're at a gathering of maybe six people and it's like a dinner party, just six to 10 people and you die those six to ten people those are the most significant people when it comes to your death those are the people that are going to speak about your death and have the most authority on it in terms of what actually happened so if those six to ten people go out and they say things that are inconsistent with each other or even with themselves that immediately has an impact on the story forever. And I believe that is what happened in the case of Marilyn Monroe, whether it's her housekeeper or her uh, therapist or the, the coroner or her publicist. If you really look into it, the time of her death changes and the details of her death and when people found out about it in that main circle of her life, uh, there's inconsistency all throughout that, that alone. So that alone already says something's up, cover up. Um, and if you believe that Marilyn Monroe actually was, you know, firing her maid and wanting to change her life and get rid of her psychiatrist or her therapist and, and certain people in her life. And if you believe that, yes, she was fired from Fox, shortly before her death and she was upset about it 
um, you might also learn that, well, some sources say that she was then rehired by Fox. Uh, and that just, that part of the, of the puzzle hasn't been put out there that much. She had something to look forward to. And then witnesses have said that she was angry around the time of her death. I've heard different things, you know, but that's the point. There's been inconsistency in, in how she was. But one thing that has been that if you really look into it, that I think is, is consistent is that she was angry. Uh, and in my experience, not in my experience, but in my observation, angry people don't typically take their own lives. Angry people do things like hold press conferences uh, or, or they threaten to, or they, um, that they become petulant and they refuse to, to give in to demands. And, but sadness and deep brokenness is what I think most people think of when they think of taking your own life. Anger, I don't think people think that way and uh, think of it that way. And, and there are many accounts of Marilyn Monroe being angry at the time she died. So I know that's me talking like endlessly, but basically that's all of that that I just said is enough for me to think that she didn't take her own life. So if there was a cover up, if she was killed, and if it was the US government, which presumably it would be, then why? I say presumably because uh, I connect her death to the death of JFK and other things like that, uh, other deaths and, and instances. With JFK though, you know, he had a lot of affairs and the FBI, they were, they had their eyes on JFK before Marilyn Monroe when it came to affairs and when it came to risky behavior. Uh, and I say risky in terms of national security risk type behavior. Uh, so I, I think when he was in the military, JFK uh, had an affair with a woman who was suspected of being a Nazi spy. I think that after the FBI gave their attention to that and later determined that maybe she wasn't, but that happened long before Marilyn Monroe. And then even later, he had another affair with a woman Whose, whose name I believe was Mary Pinchot, and she was found dead before Marilyn Monroe. So the idea that I'm saying here is that JFK has had eyes on him from the higher ups than him before he even went to the presidency. He's He's been a concern as a national security threat before he even ascended to the presidency. And there's a lot of confusion as well about when Marilyn Monroe and JFK got started together in their affair, but it's been said that they may have even met as early as 1951 at a party way before he was ever even running for president. He ran for president in 1960. Marilyn Monroe supported his campaign. So there's like a lot of stuff there to say that Marilyn Monroe and JFK started earlier than what a lot of people think and that JFK also was drawing attention from people higher in the government with his behavior and affairs. He was seen as this person who, you know, slept around and kind of had loose lips and uh, could, could 
potentially be a danger. So I think by the time Marilyn Monroe came along, JFK was already a concern in terms of what he could disclose to people. And once he ascended to the presidency, that really makes it dangerous for JFK to go around and tell people things, especially people that he's just sleeping around with, especially a Hollywood actor, Hollywood actress, actor, just to, just to tell her something. But I do think that's what happened. But the question is, what did he tell her that was enough that she should be killed? Right. But that's, you know, we don't know because, you know, she was supposed to have that press conference, you know, the Monday, you know, that Monday, and then she died on that Saturday, you know? So it's like, what was she going to release? And who knows? Go ahead. Oh, no, I didn't interrupt you. Uh, and who knows? It, it might have been insignificant. Maybe he she was just going to release something, you know, oh, he's sleeping with, you know, 50 women or, you know, but but obviously whatever it was, <clears throat> you know, barring on to the theory that she was killed by, you know, the government, you know, obviously it was something credible enough to make somebody somewhere say, okay, yeah, it's your time. You got to go. Well, I don't think that it could be insignificant, whatever was said. And think about it. If whatever, whatever she was going to say at the press conference, I don't think could have been insignificant because it ended, not only did it ended up, uh, did, did it lead to her demise in, in theory with what we're discussing, but if you think about it, if she had not told her friends or anyone that she was going to do this press conference, if she had just done the press conference, the whole world would be different. Everything would be different. She would have said it, but she told people that she was going to do it. And that signed her death warrant because she told these, she told people that she was going to do it and it, and then she died before the press conference. That means that someone who was a threat to her life heard that she made this plan. She was being wiretapped. People were listening in on what she was saying, and that was happening a lot at you know, the Oval Office and uh, the presidential administration, the FBI, the CIA. You know, wiretapping was happening a lot. Uh, and certainly for Marilyn Monroe, if she tells her friends that she's going <laughs> to do a press conference and reveal these things that JFK told her, and then she's killed before then. But it's just driving me crazy to think like if she had just not said anything that she would, you know, if she had just had the press, the press conference. But I think that, um, you know, I have ideas about, about what she knew. And, and I think it was more than the things like, uh, you know, Fidel Castro and John F. Kennedy's intentions to assassinate Fidel Castro. I think it was more than that. I think it was more than, um, the mafia, Jimmy Hoffa, and all of those things, uh, whatever, and whatever she was going to do was a risk for JFK. Because if, if a president reveals top secret information, and then it's revealed that he did so, there are repercussions for the president. You can be eventually, I, I, I believe, I don't, you know, and don't hate me because I don't know law that well at all, but I believe that could be a prosecution for treason or something something in that realm it's not I'm good sure. i know that <laughs> <laughs> right and that's you know you know and that's the other part of that theory too is is 
was the mob involved? Do they have something to do with it? Because the Kennedys have had ties to the mob for many, many years. And, and, you know, Frank Sinatra and, and, you know, and he was heavily rooted into the mob and, and, and all that. And, and, you know, it's one of those things that, you know, did the mafia had something to do with it? Did the mafia think that, you know, the money was going to dry up that way or, you know, who knows, you know, because she also had that little diary that went missing and has yet to be recovered ever anywhere, which is, you know, obviously it, it's shredded and trashed and, and it'll never be revealed. But, you know, I have no idea what she could have revealed. You know, maybe it was aliens or maybe it was, you know, who knows, but it was definitely something enough to, you know, cost her her life, in my opinion. Well, I think that's the most interesting part of the whole mystery, not whether she was murdered or took her own life or, or any of that, but really what, what could have led to that. And that's always made me think of other questions like, who are the people who would warrant her, who would want her dead? Who are they? How do they think? Why would they think that way? If they are the people who have been watching JFK ascend to the presidency and have concerns about his morality. And if they are the people who, I mean, we just came out of world war two in the forties. So you're talking about people in power who were in, we're talking about the CIA. You're talking about uh, the generals in the, in the military. What was their mindset after world war two? What, what? Well, not only that, but we had just gained an exponential amount of world power mm -hmm. after world war two, you mm -hmm. know, with dropping the bombs. So it's one of those things that they, feel like they were untouchable you know yeah. unstoppable at that point well they gained a lot of power so you're talking about people a group of people who have gained a lot of power and they also have just faced a lot of threat so they're in this place where they've seen this war they've seen and and they're starting to they're continuing to test bombs and, and things in the desert and things like that and then roswell happens uh, and then, or, or it doesn't happen or it does happen or it doesn't happen. And the Roswell, you know, for your listeners who, who don't know, basically the, the idea behind that is that, uh, alien aircraft crashed in New, in New Mexico in the 1940s and the government, uh, covered it up and newspapers reported it at the time as real, but then other new newspapers and other, uh, information sources started publishing that it was a hoax and. And it's like for a minute it was real, but then all this disinformation came out. And then now here we are, like, was that real or not? And it's been going on for decades. That's kind of where we are. But okay, stop for a minute. Really, where are we? Okay, so what just happened with in 2020, a COVID-19 bill passed, right? So the COVID-19 bill says that six months from its passage that the U.S. government has to disclose what it knows about UFOs. And that's a real thing. That's a real thing. If you, if you Google UFOs right now and hit the news button, you can read all about it. So we're, you and I, as we speak right now, you know, the days are going by as we get closer to June, July, 
when that time is supposedly supposed to happen. So the idea alone that the U.S. government knows stuff about US UFOs and can disclose it, that's confirmed already by real things in the news today. That's, that concept is already real. So you have to, once you accept that in your worldview as fact that, hey, the U.S. government is saying, you know, they passed a bill saying they have to uh, disclose what they know about UFOs. That's an admittance that they that study they UFOs. Some. Yeah, they study, they, they have something, there's something to disclose or, and certainly that there's a date. So that's so far away from the Marilyn Monroe thing, but I view it basically that. Uh, it potentially ties it back together. It, what, yeah. Well, even in the 1990s there, you can, there's a, there's a document that was released in the 1990, in the mid 1990s. It's supposedly a CIA document and it was procured by uh, groups who are pushing for disclosure on UFOs and aliens and all of that stuff. Uh, it was a, 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 a reportedly it was obtained by them through NASA, and on this document it has Marilyn Monroe's name on it, and it also mentions something called Project Moon Dust which for many, many years prior to the 1990s, it was like disputed whether that was real or not. But if this document from the 1990s is real, if it's a real CIA document, it talks about that project and it has Marilyn Monroe's name on it. And you can read the document yourself and, and see for yourself what you think of it in the details. And they're very compelling. This could be a five hour podcast if, if we go that route. But <laughs> in short of it, I think that Marilyn Monroe, well, and I think that, in the 1940s, uh, and in accordance with Daniel Sheehan, a constitutional lawyer who teaches at UC Santa Cruz, he's been involved in court cases from the Watergate scandal um, to uh, the Silkwood case with Karen Silkwood, the union labor activist who was murdered for, uh, uh, she was purportedly murdered because she was going to disclose that uh, uh, practices of the facility she worked for were poisoning the, the employees and things like that as a nu nuclear power plant, I believe. He, he's been in involved in a lot of cases and my view is informed by him. <laughs> and I believe that in the 1940s, Roswell did happen. I believe the U.S. government were in a position where they viewed aliens as a national security threat, which absolutely makes sense if you're in that mindset after World War II. I believe that JFK was a loose cannon and was telling people about US government secrets. He made a mistake. He told Marilyn Monroe. I think she got caught up in it. She told her new lover, uh, I think his name was Jose Bolanos, I think. She told him, in, in, uh, and he later did an interview, she told him that, uh, or apparently, I'm sorry, he told the press that Marilyn informed him that she had secrets that would, that would shock the world, that JFK had told her secrets and Robert Kennedy had told her secrets that would shock the world. Um, so I think that she was going to tell the public that JFK uh, 
knew about aliens, that aliens had landed in New Mexico. They crashed, that the their aircraft was recovered and and as the theory as the story goes, tiny bodies were, were tiny bodies, cadavers were recovered and then sent to a facility in Ohio. JFK went to Ohio uh, to look at it. Basically, she knew about this UFO stuff was going to say something and that the implications of that were so bad uh, or were so, I'm sorry, so uh, powerful and far reaching, like for the, for the people to learn about one aliens existing is one thing uh, to learn that the U S government had closed, had known about it and covered it up which many people would view as a crime against humanity, you know, to answer such an existential question of the world and then not tell the public at large about it. I just think Marilyn Monroe got caught up in all of that. And I think that disclosure <laughs> with UFOs has been something, I know I sound like a crazy person to a lot of people. I know I do. But I think that disclosure with UFOs has probably been something that's been happening over a long period of time. Uh, decades, and we're kind of coming toward that with this COVID-19 thing. And I believe just before we recorded today in the group chat, there's a group chat that you and I uh, talk in with other podcasters. I believe someone just posted an article from CNN that said the Pentagon has confirmed that video released by the U.S. Navy of unidentified aircraft is real that's today before we started what? recording yeah if you go back to the chat after this recording someone posted the link in there so i believe at the time disclosure was far in the future far 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 in the future if in the future at all for the u.s government and world governments and that marilyn monroe's death uh, was really because she might have disclosed something and it was hasty too that's why you when when you kind of look at her death you can point to all these inconsistencies and point to a cover-up because usually when there's a cover-up a lot of the time it's it's made in haste it's made quickly so mistakes are made so right exactly point to that but yeah that's really what i think about it i know that sounds all crazy but like dude I, I just told you about the CNN article. I just told you about the COVID-19 bill. So tell me what part of it's crazy. What is it crazy that the U.S. government knows about aliens and hasn't told us? No, because I just told you all this stuff and you can right. look that up yourself. Is right. it crazy that aliens exist? Well, no. Um, right. So, Well, on that note, hold on one second. We'll be right back. And now for a quick break. There's been a crime. A crime indeed. Classic books have been left in the cold, ignored and set aside. Many readers have turned away and no longer hear the plea of these books to be explored and read. Adventurers, we cannot let this stand. It's time to correct this rather appalling situation. Let's put on our detective hats, grab our magnifying glass, 
and look at the different classic books that have touched the heart of people a century ago. Let's find out why. Why, to this day, they still influence the media that we consume today. Why indeed? Take my hand and listen to my calming voice. And let's conquer this classical adventure for everyone. Check out Classical Adventure 4.1 for all your classic adventure needs. See you there. Now, back to the show. Well, Jacob, I mean, there is, you know, like you said, there's there's a lot of uh, different things, you know, from back in the 40s and 50s where seem insignificant to us now, you know, like as far as like aliens, like they're obviously they're coming to the forefront now. But, you know, when they first were, you know, introduced to the public or whatever, when Roswell first happened, it was like the world was ending, you know, it was like, you know, the nobody we couldn't you know it would it would cause mass hysteria you know at that point we weren't which in my opinion as a society we're still not ready for them but we definitely weren't ready for them then and i don't think we're in the mindset now that we're ready for them while i agree that the government should be disclosing this information from the beginning um you know it's definitely a step in the right direction you know with the covid bill and 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 all that to where they have to disclose that information. The general public deserves to know. There's so many, you know, unanswered questions as far as, you know, aliens go that it potentially has, you know, the ramifications of, you know, tying back into, you know, Marilyn Monroe's death, you know, just for the simple fact that JFK said, Hey, you know what, by the way, aliens are real. And then she's like, Oh yeah, you're not leaving your wife. Well, now I'm going to tell everybody. Right. I, I think that she had definitely a personal stake in she, the relationship she had. And she was probably, you know, she was motivated by anger. But I do believe the secrets that she knew were significant. And I mean, when we talk about information and disinformation and, and you know, Roswell and whether people are ready to, to know or not know, I mean, yeah, at the time, maybe they, they weren't ready, but so much disinformation was published after that to kind of distort whether the original reports are real or not. But that's what we live in today is so much disinformation. Right. We could be here for 24 hours talking about that. So when we talk about whether people are ready or not, and you observe that disinformation has been going on then and now and all throughout, to me, that looks purposeful. And it's almost like if maybe we could be ready but maybe we're purposefully being made to not be ready by those who are in power uh, because there's just so much division. And um, the, like you said, you use the word ramifications. There are so many if aliens are real and if we've had contact with them and if there's a whole world of, of uh, if the nature of reality is completely different than what we even know because of what, the U.S. government or world governments really knows about extraterrestrial life. I mean, that plays into everything uh, in our society, from religion to the way we structure government and and the way we 
you know, that means we're not at the top of the food chain. Um, people were joking about, you know, the space force under president Trump, which is an idea that did not actually originate under president Trump and didn't start under president Trump and under president Biden, he has opted to keep this space force, you know, and, and that's got thousands of members in it. You were talking about a branch of the military. We can joke about it all we want and try to tie it to one president or another and make a joke out of it. But like, let's get real for a second, man. Like, no, a branch of the military exists and it's a space force and it's existed now through two, at least presidential administrations, space force, keyword space. And uh, it has thousands of people in it. And then this UFO disclosure thing with the COVID-19 bill, it's like, there, there are things happening. So that's why I love to talk about the Marilyn Monroe thing, because I do think it's connected um, to all of that. And I think there's a, you can't really explain it all in one podcast. There's so many years and details and things to point to, but I think for sure will the, the theories behind Marilyn Monroe's death and the discussion about the aliens theory and all of that, um, in the least, you know, we'll, we'll probably know a little bit more in June or July, one right. way or another. So, right. yeah. And what about, you know, what's your take on the other theories, you know, of it potentially just being an accident? I mean, do you think it's, it's plausible that it was just an accident? No, it just doesn't make sense because the inconsistencies uh, with the accounts from people around her, that the, there wouldn't be those inconsistencies if it, if the explanation was simple, right? There j just that alone, and that knocks that alone knocks out so many theories. Um, but if you're looking at the toxicology report, or if you're looking at where she was in her life, I, there's plenty of sources and people to point to to create that narrative that she was depressed and she was you know taking too many drugs and all these things, but there are a lot of those sources are inconsistent and they can be, they can be overran by other sources. Uh, I mean, it's really like when someone dies too, imagine if you, imagine, I don't know what I was about to say. Imagine if you die. I'm sorry. I think I said that earlier too. I'm sorry. I said that before. Don't imagine if you die, but think about what I'm really saying. Imagine you know, the death of a person, a person who's famous and like Marilyn Monroe doesn't have a lot of immediate family. Right. Has a lot of people in her life who have really kind of been put there, whether it was by a studio or, or what have you, or, or the government, you know, her psychiatrist, her, her therapist, her maid, her maid and her therapist knew each other. I right. think her therapist referred her maid to her. That's weird. Okay. That's just weird. But if you think about when a person passes and they're isolated in a way and the people in their life are kind of uh, almost manufactured for them, their relationships are sort of put into place for them. That yes, person people is, almost. Right. Yeah. That, that person is very vulnerable when they pass away to someone stepping up to the plate and saying, Hey, I'm, they're this person's friend. I'm Marilyn Monroe's friend. And this is what I'm saying about her death. People really believe that and take the impact of that. 
But with all those inconsistencies, it really makes you wonder, okay, well, who really knew Marilyn Monroe? Who were her real friends? Who, who would actually say the truth about her? Because these people who were lit, you know, in her house or, or who were talking to her intimately uh, about her mental health, and they were very inconsistent according to accounts uh, about her death at the end, about what really happened. So it just speaks to how we, so much of what we think with these other theories are based in narratives that were created on a level that really wasn't consistent. And there are just so many of them, just like JFK's death, just the idea alone that there are so many theories around those two deaths, Marilyn Monroe's and JFK's, that is bizarre. And, and, and so the theme here that I keep coming back to is disinformation. There's so much disinformation around COVID-19, around vaccinations, around many, many, many other things. Just like at that time, so much disinformation. And when you never have the truth resolved or when it, the truth never really comes out because it's been obscured from the beginning, then all you're ever gonna have is theories forever. Uh, and until someone can absolutely prove one and that's on purpose that's that's intentional if you are trying to keep a government secret forever or for decades until you have to disclose it um, so with a lot of the theories I just don't think that they're significant enough to warrant her death and I also just think that they don't have a lot of ground under them because uh, where they come from and, and and the inconsistency in which they're based Right. So I had an interesting comment on the Twitter feed that I post because I always post, you know, for the new episodes and such. I don't know if you saw it or not. Um, but there was a lady who commented on it. I don't know the legitimacy of it or not, who she is. I mean, the reality is social media, you could be anybody, right? Mm -hmm. Um. But she commented and she said it was an accident, a medication interaction, not murder or suicide. And I said, interesting take. Why? All this is on Twitter. So if you guys want to go see it, check it out. Find, you know, the episode link for for last weekend's episode and, and you can see this interaction. And I said, so I said, interesting take. Why? I stood in the room where she died and I could just feel it. I said, oh interesting and that's it that's where the conversation died wow so you know I, I don't know i don't think it was an accident and and like you i don't think it was and it can't be suicide like in my opinion it, she was scorned and she wanted vengeance you know she wanted revenge and i just accident or suicide in my opinion is is not the route that that this took yeah, and I think that she was naive. Um, that's not her fault, but I, I think she didn't know what she was being told and the significance of it. And frankly, if you believe that she was killed by the U.S. government, it's not her fault. It would be the fault of those who disclosed top secret in, top secret information to her. It's right. Robert uh, Kennedy's fault, JFK's fault. JFK hadn't seen Marilyn... Uh, JFK and Marilyn Monroe had not seen each other, I think, for 77 days. Uh, but between her death, the last time Marilyn saw JFK, there was a 77-day gap. 
Right. And then Robert Kennedy was at her home in the 24 hour period in which she died. And then she, among another, among another, excuse me, I'm having mush mouth among a number of other people, her maid, her, uh, I think her publicist showed up shortly after her, uh, uh, government officials were with Robert Kennedy when uh, when visiting her home that day. And so you're just, what a, I mean, just what a crazy coincidence, uh, coincidence that on the same day that, you know, you're visited by your ex-lover who you're angry at and government officials and, and all these other people, what a coincidence that you just also happen to have something like uh, taking your own life or an accidental overdose or I and being so angry and making these threats about the future. It just, it, I just think it's so maybe we've been trained to think about it as normal, but it seems very unusual and not normal to me that so many fantastic events happen in this little period of time, uh, you know, being visited by Robert Kennedy and, and government officials and, you know, talking to your friends on the phone about a press conference you're going to hold about shocking secrets. Oh, and then, oh, I also happened to take my own life that day or die accidentally. It just, that that seems very unusual, not likely. And I feel like that's been distorted. People have been made to think that that makes sense. And I don't think it does personally. Right. We're going to take another real quick break. And now for a quick break. Hey folks, Rob here from Fat, Drunk, and Stupid. And what is that, you ask? Well, aside from three words that describe my life, it's a podcast. We talk about food, fun, fellowship, movies, books, video games, pop culture, and much more. Also, some very interesting guests and some awesome stories. And of course, some cold beers along the way too. So look us up on Twitter at FDS Podcast 7 and look for Fat, Drunk, and Stupid wherever you find your favorite podcast. Thanks for listening. Now, back to the show. Right. Well, Jacob, this is definitely, you are, I'm loving it, man. I love all your theories and you're all over the place with it. I am, I'm impressed. I know it's, I feel every time I talk about this to anybody, I feel a little bit, uh, I feel a little bit anxious because <laughs> I'm like, I know I don't, this sounds very out there to a lot of people, but I base, you know, these theories and my thoughts on them over things that I've just learned over a period of time. And, you know, I could be totally wrong. It could be crazy. But one thing that's for certain is that COVID-19 thing, the bill passage and what's in that bill is real. And if, uh, if your listeners Google UFOs right now and hit news, they'll see a lot of interesting articles, uh, so I think it's something interesting to, to take away from this uh, because in order for the Marilyn Monroe theory to be real, the theory that she was killed by the U.S. government because of aliens, then aliens have to exist and the U.S. government has to know about it. And those pieces of the puzzle might be in place, just, you know, right under your nose. So. Right. So... <clears throat> You know, we mentioned at the beginning that we do, you know, that we, well, at least I know I do, I know you do too, cover a lot of missing person cases. As we're wrapping up the Marilyn Monroe theories, do you have any final thoughts on the Marilyn Monroe before we move on to showcasing some missing persons? 
I mean, we could talk about it endlessly, uh, but I, I appreciate the work that you did on the case. I thought you did a great job talking about her and really humanizing her. And it, it was touching to hear about her life uh, before all of this, because I think so much of what we think about Marilyn Monroe is based on theories around her death or her stardom and her fame and, and that image of her. So your episode, you did a great job at making her into a person. And I, I, I have thought about her death and her stardom so much more than I've thought about her as a human being. Uh, I'm guilty of that myself. And I, I just so appreciated what you brought to her story. And, and I'm definitely thinking about her in a different way going forward. So, well, thank you for that. I appreciate that kind words. And, you know, at the end of the day, in any case, whether it be conspiracy theory, a true crime, murder, kidnapping, sexual assault, rape, there's still people, you know, at the end of the day, victims are human beings, whether it be, you know, whatever the genre, wherever this case comes from, you know, that these are human beings and we're potentially talking about the worst day of their lives, you know, and it's one of those things that you have to look at it through you know that lens of you know that this was that person's worst day you know and so now while yes we're here to tell their story and you know bring awareness to it you also have to look at it like you know how would you feel in that you know in that instance yeah certainly so but we're gonna move on um if you have a loved one that's missing or you know a friend a family member you know whatever somebody that you want you know brought onto the platform and them you know have a light shown onto them please reach out jerryroompodcast at gmail.com uh i also feature a link down in every show notes um that you can click on submit their information and i would be happy to include them into an episode uh, Jacob, did you bring anybody that you would like to bring some awareness to? Yes, I did. I wanted to bring awareness to the missing persons case, uh, that I also talked about on my own show briefly. Uh, and the reason I talked about it briefly is because there isn't a lot of information about it, but, uh, the missing person I wanted to tell you about and tell your listeners about is 18 year old Israel Jarrell Aaron. And he went missing out of Springdale, Arkansas. And the date missing, the reported date that he went missing was March 17th of this year. So it's very recent. And he's described as a black male, six foot two, 160 pounds with brown hair and black eyes, uh, excuse me, brown eyes and black hair. And uh, apparently, according to the limited profile, he has tattoos. Uh, on his wrist, his left wrist, at least one tattoo. And I wanted to just mention this case. That it was an 18-year-old boy, 18-year-old man, uh, who went missing in Arkansas, where I'm from. And it was very recent, and there's just not a lot of information about it. Uh, if you know anything about my show and what I do, I, I am drawn to those cases where there's little, very little information. Um, it very much kind of bothers me that a person is reported missing and then 
the public isn't really given any of the details that we really need to solve the case or investigate or, or even truly be on the lookout. And that's kind of the situation here is that a very young person has been reported missing by someone very recently and there's just no details. So I wanted to mention that his name again is Israel Jarrell Aaron, 18 years old, went missing out of Springdale, Arkansas back in March. And um, if you go online, you can see a picture of him at neverforgottenar.gov. I'm sorry, neverforgotten.ar.gov. And you can also see images and the same limited information that I just told you on Facebook uh, with the Springdale Police Department's Facebook page. Well, perfect. And hopefully, you know, given that more people start to talk about him and hopefully we can get some more information out there, you know, get some more leads, you know, and hopefully potentially, you know, bring some closure. I hate saying that, but, you know, bringing some kind of answers to the family because nothing is worse than, you know, not having the answers. So... My missing person today is coming from Clinton, Missouri. Her name was Angela Marie Hammond. She went missing on April 4th, 1991. At the time of her disappearance, she was 19 years old. Her age now, she would be 50. She was 4'11". She weighed 120 to 140. She had brown hair and brown eyes. Angela was talking to her fiancé, Rob Schaefer, at a telephone booth in a parking lot outside the Food Barn store in the center of town in the area of Jefferson Street and 2nd Street. Angela told him that she was too tired to meet with him, as planned, and she would go to their home to take a bath instead. She also told him a suspicious man was circling the parking lot in his old truck. Angela described him as a filthy bearded man. She said he was parked in his truck near the booth, got out of it with a flashlight, as if he was looking for something. Suddenly, Schaefer heard Angela scream, and then the line went dead. Her car was later found abandoned in the parking lot. Schaefer immediately drove to the phone booth. On the way there, he passed a late 1960s or early 1970s model green F-150 pickup truck and heard Angela scream his name, Rob. Schaefer followed the vehicle for about a mile on 2nd Street and Culvert Drive, but his own car's transmission failed and he had to stop driving. Schaefer stated the truck he saw had a decal of a water or an outdoor scene completely covering the rear window, possibly a white top, and possible damage to its left front fender. Witnesses reported seeing a Caucasian male driving a similar truck near the, tele near the telephone booth at the time Angela disappeared. The man, <clears throat> the man who was... The man who has never been identified was wearing coveralls and a dark colored baseball cap. He had eyeglasses, a beard, and a mustache. If you have any information regarding Angela's disappearance or you know her whereabouts, 
please call the Clinton, Missouri Police Department at 660-885-5561. That's 660-885-5561. The police department case number is 91-0488. If you have any information on Angela's disappearance, please do reach out to the police department. That was my missing person. Hopefully they, we bring some justice, you know, for the families, you know, some, some answers for somebody. Right. Right. Yeah. We got to keep talking about them. So, so, so that someone knows. All right. Well, before we wrap this up, I'm going to play one more trailer. Make sure you do guys, please go support these podcasts that I play their trailers for. Uh, Jacob knows that there's a lot of, of well-deserved creators out there, you know, that put in a lot of work in each and every episode. So make sure you go and show them some love. Welcome to the Plum Forest Podcast. On this podcast, I take old school Chinese short stories and then I translate them into a modernized version in modernized English. There's very little Chinese, so don't worry about that part. And I narrate these stories and some of my friends give me a hand doing the voices of the characters. These stories are meant to be like me and you are having a cup of coffee and I'm telling you a story. Here's a clip you can check out and if you like it, give us a subscribe or a follow. Anyways, stay safe everyone. Mrs. Stewart rushed out to see him naked in the pond and stood there at the edge and then asked him, Ben, what are you doing there naked in the pond? I thought you were going to the bathroom. No, that bathroom thing was a lie. Well, not all the way a lie. I peed over in that corner of the pond, but I want to be like a fish. So I got out of the, my human clothes, jumped in here to swim like them. Well, that was that one cracked me up. I cracked a little bit of a smile right there. <laughs> yeah, they got me. So first and foremost, Jacob, I want to say thank you for coming on and discussing Marilyn Monroe and all the different conspiracy theories that could go on with it. Uh, why don't you plug your podcast, where they can find you at, anybody you want to give a shout-out to, now's the time. Yeah, yeah. thank you so much for having me, my friend. Uh, it's been really uh, fun to talk to you about this. And um, Again, my name is Jacob Randall. The show is called Crime of Your Life. Uh, that's my podcast. You can find it streaming everywhere, uh, all the usual places that all of them are escaping my mind at the moment. But um, yeah, you can find me on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, iHeartRadio, everywhere. And you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at Crime of Your Life. Uh, yeah, check out my podcast if you like mysteries and obscure criminal cases. And uh, I'd probably just give a shout out to my friend Kate from Ignorance Was Bliss. Uh, that's also a great podcast, and I've been listening to it a lot lately. So I just wanted to give her a shout out in case she happens to listen to this. I have a feeling she might. So, hi, Kate. And, um, yeah, thanks again for having me on the show, Kevin. All right, buddy. So now that we're at the end of the episode, I have one question that I've asked all my guests that I've had on from the beginning of the show. Are you willing to answer? I'm willing to answer. All right. So the question is, if you could be any sandwich sandwich condiment what would you be and why okay i'm going to be 
<laughs> okay, I'm really self-conscious about this. I'm going to be vegan chipotle mayo. <laughs> <laughs> because it is really good and I don't like regular mayo and I would be vegan chipotle mayo because it's spicy uh, it's misleading and it can be really hard to find and that kind of describes me so <laughs> <laughs> vegan chipotle mayonnaise <laughs> I like it I think that's the first time I've had Dude. anybody ever say vegan so that's a first i'm not saying i'm a vegan or anything like that i'm just saying that it's really good mayo and you really like it like you should go out and get some <laughs> you have to get some and i know like i tied it loosely to myself because i'm spicy and all that but the truth is dude i'm just telling you it's really good that's why I it's just it. good yeah that's why <laughs> fair enough well, Jacob, it's been a blast, and I seriously thank you so much for coming on. Everybody give Jacob a round of applause. <laughs> um, but, Jacob, thanks for coming on. Make sure you check out Crime of Your Life. If you have any theories or if you want to tell me what you think on the Marilyn Monroe case, please reach out to me, jerryroompodcast at gmail.com. Also, if you have any thoughts or questions or concerns or what your theories are, or if you just want to talk about Casey Anthony, send me an email, jerryroompodcast at gmail.com. I will feature your thoughts and opinions in the first part of the jury room aftermath on that episode. Uh, I think I'm going to have a special guest on that one and I'm super excited about that. So Make sure you guys definitely check that out next weekend. Thanks for listening to this episode. And as always, stay safe. Thanks for listening. And remember, you never know what's lurking in the shadows. Lingering around the corner. Walking past your house at night. So watch out. Stay safe. And keep listening. This has been the jury room. Hello. Hello, this is a free call from Casey. An inmate from the Orange County Correction Center for a rape quote. People lie to cops every day. Cops lie to people every day. I am just one of the unfortunate idiots who admitted that they lied. In the second of our two-part series on Casey Anthony, we are making our way through her tunnel of lies in an attempt to decipher what really happened to Kaylee Anthony on that fateful June day in 2008. From desperate 911 calls by Casey's own mother to the discovery of little Kaylee's body and the trial that ensued. This is Casey Anthony part two. Buckle up, it's going to be a wild ride. The Jury Room Podcast can be found on most 
podcasting platforms. Make sure you go subscribe, follow, leave a review anywhere you can. And as always, stay safe and thanks for listening.